Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. I can't get away from it, church, but this place will be a house of freedom. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, thank you. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to me to Matthew chapter 4. But these girls not do an awesome job this morning. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God, we thank you today. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the promises that you've spoken over this church. God, and today as we dig into your word, let us know that it's truth. It's life. God, and it's going to do exactly what you set it out to do. Transform us, change us, renew us. So we speak your word over this house, over these people. And we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you hug somebody's neck, shake their hand, let them know you're glad they're here. <laughs> but he answered and said, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This will be one of the most important sermons that I preach as your pastor because I need you to know and I need you to understand that God's word is powerful. This word is life-changing. This word is the very sustenance. Uh, of what we need. It's the substance of, of what we need in our life. It's not the things of this world. You see, we're a lot of people, we're in the church and we're looking for a feeling, an F-E-E-L-I-N-G, when God's word wants to F-I-L-L us. You see, we're looking for the emotional feel when God is saying, I want to feel you. And we have Satan in this scripture. He is attacking Jesus in the wilderness and he's tempting him and coming at him. And he's tempted Jesus and he's trying to get him to turn stones into bread. And Jesus is tired and he's hungry. But he still does not take Satan's bait in this moment because what Satan is trying to do in this very moment, he is appealing to the flesh in order to tempt him of something spiritual. Jesus saw through the devil's schemes. He saw through the ruse of the enemy. And he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That still is true 
to the church today. We do not need to live on bread alone. We need more than bread to live. You and I, we need the Word of God filling our lives. God's Word is what comes from His very mouth. And to tell you how powerful God's Word is, He said, let there be and there was. That is, I mean, we have to understand that. The very breath of God was breathed into the nostrils of Adam. The very breath that you and I are breathing this moment is the breath of God. God's word comes from his very mouth. It gives us life. It gives us health. It gives us strength. And we, as a church, we are looking everywhere for the answers to, 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 to questions that the word is saying, I want to be your life. I want to be your health. I want to be your strength. Do you realize how important the word of God is? I mean, do we comprehend that this right here is the verbal breath of God? <laughs> and we go around saying, I just wish God would speak to me. He's wrote a book. And it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we've got church people going around saying, I'm starved to death. It's your fault. Woo. Do we esteem the Word of God more than regular food? Is it vital for our life? Listen to me, church. This right here is the most important thing in your life. It's not your job. It's not your education. It's not your kids. Woo! Oh, boy. In the church of God, when you open up what we believe, in most denominations, the very first thing that's listed in their belief is, we believe in the verbal inspiration of God. Now, think about this. 1 Peter, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter says that you better know this living truth. Because there's going to be some people that come into your life that are going to question what you believe. And you better have something inside of you. You should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is inside of you. David, he said, I will hide this word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Think about this, the verbal inspiration of God. Holy men of God were moved upon and pinned down the voice of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture, not some, all Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable 
for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The very first thing that Paul says to young Timothy, he said this word, this scripture, it's all inspired by God. This word, it is profitable. We're always trying to make a profit in this world. This thing's profitable. And he said it's profitable for teaching or for doctrine. This, is, this word is what we believe. And I'll tell you why so many Christians struggle sharing the word of God. They don't know it. Oh, boy. Don't just believe me. Learn for yourself. I'll tell you. Prove me wrong. I'm man enough. If you can prove to me I'm wrong, I'll come up the next Sunday and say, I misquoted, I missaid. I'm not not above that. But but, But don't just take my word for it. It says it's profitable for reproof. Oh, boy. Now, that's why we don't like reading it right there. Because it lets us know what God disapproves of in our lives. We don't like that word. Then he goes on and says, not only is it profitable for that, but it's, it'll correct you. It's how God fixes our heirs. And then he says it's for training in righteousness or instructions in righteousness. This word is how God informs me. This word is how God instructs me and gives me direction of to where he wants me to go in my life as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a Christian. Church, we cannot live without the word. It is manna. First John, or not first John, but John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The inspiration of God. God breathed. God spoke, and the world came into existence. The same with the word of God. God spoke again and another time and again and another time. And the Bible came into being. The Bible is God's word. God spoke and the Bible is what he said. Oh boy. Pastor, I just wish God would speak life into me. It's the very words of God. The very words of God. And when we get away from the word, when we get away from loving, we talked about this in our group the other night, from loving to read it and loving to obey it, we lose the blessing that comes from it. Church, we don't have to read his word. We get to read his word. 
Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. This is why it's important. Now listen to me. We're still in Nehemiah, and we're going to chapter 8. The physical building is ready. It's finished. And now look what Nehemiah does in chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man at the square which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given Israel. Then Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could listen and understand, with understanding. On the first day of the seventh month, he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate from the early morning until midday, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand. And all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Then it says, Ezra grabs the book, and going down to verse 5, it says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood. And then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then it said these men and the Levites came, and it said they began to explain the law to the people while the people remained in their place. And then verse 8 says, they read from the book from the, of the law of God, translating to give the sense so they so that they understood the reading. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. All the people went away to eat, drink, to send portions, and to celebrate the great festival, because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Again, the physical building is complete. And now it's time for spiritual. And the very first thing that Nehemiah does, it says, Ezra, get the word out and speak to us as if God was speaking to us. It's time to get spiritual. We got a lot of people that want to be spiritual and have no word in them whatsoever. You see, God's word was first, it was foremost, in the whole restoration process of Nehemiah, and he calls Ezra to bring the word. Church, if God is going to talk to his people, it's going to be through his word. And if some cuckoo comes to you and says, the Lord told me to tell you, and it does not line up with thus, saith the Lord, 
Tell Cuckoo he's cocoa, he needs cocoa puffs or whatever, however it goes. Because here's the problem. If we profess to be a Christian and never read his word, we need to check our hearts to see if we possess a life in Christ. Where's our hunger? The living word. The word living and breathing is our life, not bread alone. Hebrews, and I've got a lot of scripture today. 4 and 12 says, For the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You only tell you when you're reading it and you get that old feeling inside of you like, ugh. <laughs> it's judging the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. The word is quick. That means it, 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 ha- it has life. It's living. Listen to me. This has physical life. Physical life. Pastor, that's a book. That's your problem. That's the way you look at it. It's God's word. It's living. It's breathing. It has to, I mean, it has to make me full of life. You know, it's very important that we realize that Nehemiah and Ezra, they put the word before everything. Pull your toes back. Because what we have in the church today, we got a problem. We have no desire for the word. We want to come to church on Sundays, and most of us show up, and all we want is goosebumps. Whoo, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. Did it change your life? We want to raise our hands and sing, and we want to get all emotional, and we want, and we want God to move in us. If you want God to change you and move you, let his word stir you. If all you have is an emotion and no revelation, let me tell you something. You're not experiencing life. You're experiencing an emotion. And that's what we're looking for in the church anymore. We want an emotion. We want the praise team to get behind instruments and, and, and just you know, sing those songs that make us feel good. And we, we want the pastor to get behind the pulpit and speak those words that tickle our ears. You're in the wrong church. Oh, boy. This quote is amazing. It says, if God is to work in and through his people, then they have to respond to his word. His word is a big deal. you got to know how to respond to it. You see, Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. And if he did not know the word, he could have been defeated in that moment. Many of us, we get in moments and we don't have no word in us and the devil defeats us. Listen to me. There is amazing promises and blessings in God's word and we live beneath our privileges because we don't know what they are. You are a child of God. A son and a daughter of the Most High. And we struggle when God says you don't have to. Oh, boy. You got to know it. 
to respond to it. If we want cleansing and revival, get in his word and let him speak to us. I think it's important for us to understand some key verses of what we just read. I think it's amazing that in Ezra chapter 8 verse 2, he says that the Ezra and the priest brought all the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. And then in verse number 8, or verse 4, he went on and he said, those who could understand. Then in verse 8, he, the, in 7, 7 and 8, he said, he explained the law to the people. And in verse 8 said, so that they could understand the reading. Verse 12 said that they went away because they understood the words which had been made known to them. They understood. Listen to me. We need to understand the word of the God. Uh, the word of God. I, I told this to my group the other day. It does not impress me that you've read Genesis to Revelation a hundred times when you don't know what Genesis to Revelation said. I read Webster's Dictionary. Not really, I'm joking. We got too many people bragging on what they read and don't have a clue what they read. If the word is going to release life into us, we have to understand it. I was telling them uh, the, way, the, the way that God's been dealing with me about reading lately. I don't read five and six chapters anymore like I used to to try to understand it. What I'll do is I get in my office and I, I go to the Bible app and I'll turn it on and I'll get my Bible open and I'll hit play and I'll let it, it'll, it, it reads to me audibly and I follow along with it and then I go back and I personally read the very same thing that I just read and I highlight the things that caught my attention when he was reading it to me earlier and I'm thinking man there's so much in this when I hear it and then I read it myself and I only read one or two chapters now and I and I dig into it and I eat it up because I would rather understand what John 1 and 1 says than to read John 1 through John 7 and have no idea of what any of it said. Just because somebody reads or teaches or preaches the word doesn't mean it'll change us. I mean, again, don't just read it. Understand it. Study and meditate. We were in our group the other day, and Cordell started talking about meditating on the Scripture. We think just because we read it and we study it. No, meditate on it. Take that word. Think about it. Think deeply. That's what meditate means. It means to think deeply, to, to plan mentally. Plan yourself mentally. I am going to understand what I read. I'm going to break this thing down. If I have to get every concordance and dictionary, I'm going to understand what these three portions of Scripture says before I put this book up today. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to consider it. The parable of the sower is such an amazing Scripture of understanding the Word. Jesus said that if it's received, that's not just saying I presented it, but if it's received, if it's understood, it will take root and it will bear fruit. I was reading a commentary, and it took me to this point. Nehemiah has Ezra come to the water gate 
to begin to read the word. I think it's very significant because John 15 and 3 says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. I think it's very significant that they read at the water gate because Paul said in Ephesians 5, 26, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with what? The word. Water for washing refers to the word, staying clean and pure by the word. John chapter 7 Verse 37 through 39 says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When we apply the Word to our life, then the Spirit of God will begin to help us. <laughs> we have to feed our spirit, church. That's what's wrong. We've got a spirit man that is starving to death in the church. You see, when you feed your spirit the word, then your spirit will begin to bring you wisdom and knowledge, understanding, revelation. Does anybody know what that word means? A supernatural disclosure. Do you all understand? This thing is supernatural. It's not just a book. The word is supernatural. It wasn't enough for Ezra just to bring the book. It said he stood at the pulpit and he spoke the word. He opened his mouth and presented the word. Church, just because we have ten Bibles in our houses doesn't mean we know the word. Do you realize that in China, there are people having revival over one page ripped out of the Bible? And we live in a country that most houses have 10 and 15 Bibles that are collecting dust. They're bookends. We got them sitting under our tables, holding the, hold, keeping it steady. Have you opened it and read it? These people reverenced the word. The Bible says they stood in, 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 in sign of respect. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Bibles across America. Again, their bookends. Propped up tables. And we'll set as a church and defend the word of God and treat it as it is holy, but yet we don't want nothing to do with it to read it. Woo. Everything you do in life, everything you do in life is going to die and wither away. But the word of God will stand throughout eternity.
Nothing else is going to stand, Randy. Nothing. Nothing, Adam. Nothing we do is going to stand. But the Word of God is going to stand throughout eternity. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He said, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, the Beginning, the End. Knowing this, we will rejoice in the Word. It should not be a burden. Woo! Chapter 9, or verses 9 through 12 said that they, they went on and the, uh, the, Nehemiah told them, said, tell the people not to grieve, not to worry. This is a celebration. This is a holy day. And it said that they went on and they had understanding of the word. And I find it amazing that after they found understanding, you go on down and you begin to finish that chapter out. They understood the word of God, and the first thing they noticed was they were convicted. <laughs> they mourned and were weeping over their sins. And Ezra gave them the law, and they acknowledged their sin. Does that not sound like something Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 20? Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law, comes the knowledge of sin. The word didn't save them. It helped them understand their sin. The word brought conviction, which led to repentance, which brings on salvation, which brings on joy in the Holy Spirit, which brings us to the place that we can rejoice in the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 15 says, Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. David said in Psalm 19, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We need to act on the word of God. Someone said, faith that isn't based on the word is not faith at all. It is presumption and superstition. Joy that isn't the result of faith is not joy at all. It is only a good feeling that will soon disappear. Faith based on the word will produce joy that will weather the storms of life. That's why people quit. They don't have no word in them. We don't have no word in us. And when somebody looks at us and says, I don't like you, or, or you shouldn't have painted the walls that color, or why do you got the sound turned up that way, sound man? Why are you playing the guitar that way? We quit because we have no word in us. We have nothing to stand on. Oh, boy, I meddled there for a minute, couldn't I? All we have is a feeling and no joy. Matthew said that when... Jesus sowed the seed, some would fall on the wayside. They had a feeling. Some people said it would fall on the, the stony places. They had a feeling. Some said it'd fall on the thorny places. And they had a feeling. But then some said it would fall on good ground. And it fell on good ground because they had a F-I-L-L-I-N-G. And they had fruit and they had joy. You see, only the seed that fell on good ground, it says, understands and bears fruit. It isn't enough just to read the Word of God. 
I have to understand what I read, and when I understand it, it should cause me to rejoice in it. Psalm 119.162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. Back in the day, they would bury their money in jars. That was their savings accounts. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man finds and hideth again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I found this jar. <laughs> I found this jar. And I certainly began to rejoice when I found this treasure. I say that to say this, this word is full of treasure. And if we begin to dig into it, if we begin to meditate, if we begin to pray, guess what? You're going to find gold. Cordell asked our group the other night. He read a portion of scripture and he looked at us and he said, Do you believe this word? To be true. And we're all quick to say, yes. We say it often. But I ask, are we convinced that it's truth and that it's right? Because there is a portion of scripture in this Bible that says, if we would seek First, the kingdom of God. All these other earthly pleasures and things would be added unto us. We're seeking the stuff instead of the kingdom. And yet we say we're convinced that this is the word of God. Our lives will say so if we're convinced. If the word says yes, it should be our yes. If this word says no, it should be our no. If it's not, we're not convinced. Don't just read it out of have to. We get to. This is his treasure that he wants revealed to us. And we don't do it out of have to. We get to. We get to delight in the Lord. We get to rejoice in the word of God. Study this thing and find your treasure. Psalm 1 verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 112 and 1. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Hunger and thirst. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Where's the priority of the word in our lives? Psalm 119, 55. Oh Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. 119 verse 147 and 148, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. If we will hunger and thirst for the word and let it speak to us, God will share his blessings with us. We have to take time for his word. Talena, if you'll come. We have this mentality that, well, Pastor, I went to church. 
I did this and I did that. I did enough for this week. Doing stuff is great, but it will never replace being with him. Go with me to to Luke chapter 10. It's going to be on the board. Luke chapter 10. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his what? His word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Now look at that. Church, don't get bogged down doing stuff and never being in his presence. Martha's all aggravated and mad and distraught because Mary's decided the word is what's important. The word is what is important in the moment. This scripture is the classic example, the difference between busy and frustrated service and choosing the good part of giving time and attention to sitting at the Lord's feet and feasting. Mary sat at his feet. She heard his word. Church, I know we get caught up so often in daily distractions. We cannot get so busy that we don't get in his word. The parable of the sower says in Mark chapter 4 verse 19, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entered in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Luke chapter 8 says the pleasures of life. 1 Peter 2 and 2 says, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you want to grow, get in the word. If you want to grow, get in the word. Stop blaming the church for your lack of discipline. powerfulness of God and his word Jacob he spoke and heaven and earth comes into existence Adam he speaks and says let there be light and there's light it's amazing I mean happy he said let there be trees and there's trees and it's amazing to me but he even goes on and, and goes into great detail he doesn't just say let there be a world Davy, he goes on and he says, let there be seasons. Let, I mean, don't just let there be a world and light. Let there be seasons. Let's enjoy a little bit of snow. Let us enjoy a little bit of spring watching things come to life. Let us see autumn show up and the, the beautiful colors of fall. And then let us go again into to winter or summer, winter. All these. I mean, he does all these things and it's amazing that he's spoken into existence. 
And then he went on and he said, you know, it could have just been daylight all the time. And he said, man, let's give them a little sun of the daytime. Then let's make it dark and put a big, nice moon up there. And he spoke it. His spoken word. And then he spoke and he said, man, creation's beautiful. But now I need to create a man. And then he said, it's not good that man do this alone, so let me create him a helpmate. He breathed life into them. He breathed life into them. And that life that he breathed in them is from the very same lungs that breathe this. (laughs) And we take it so lightly. pick it up Sunday when I go back but he answered and said it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God Proverbs 18 21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. God's word is life. Let it speak to you. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The same breath speaks to us and breathes life into us through his word. Eyes closed, heads bowed, no one looking around. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Today, if you're here and you're lost, God's Word has come into this place to speak life to you. And I want you to listen to me this day. Before you, this moment, God has placed before you life and death, blessing and curse. Jesus is here, and he is so ready to give you life. But I want you to listen to me. There's a thief right now in your ear telling you that you can't live this life that you can't make this decision, that you can't make this choice. Let me tell you, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Christ is speaking in your other ear right now, and he's saying that I have come. And I have come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly today. 
Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.